Welcome to the Stork Storytime Podcast at the North Liberty Community Library. Are you expecting or thinking of starting a family? If so, this podcast is for you. Just as it's never too late to develop a love of reading, it's never too early either. Hello, my name is Jennifer Jordabrek, and I'm the Assistant Director at the North Liberty Community Library. Hi, I'm Emily O'Sheridan Tabor, and I am the Family Services Librarian at the Library. And today we'd like to welcome our guest speakers from the North Liberty Family Health Center, Dr. Lisa Johnson and Ashley Evans, who is an Advanced Registered Nurse Practitioner. Thanks so much for coming to talk with us today. Thank you. I appreciate you having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, welcome to our podcast, ladies. Before we talk about the importance of flu shots for expecting moms and vaccinations for newborns, can you each tell us a little bit about yourselves and your job at the North Liberty Family Health Center? We start with you, Ashley. Sure, sounds great. So I'm Ashley Evans. I'm a nurse practitioner. Um, all of my nursing background is from critical care and emergency medicine. So I have about 10 years of that and decided I wanted to branch off into more family practice, which I love. I love seeing pediatrics all the way to geriatric patients. Um, I started at the clinic in the end of September, and I love it. It's a great fit. I love being in the community. I was born and raised in Des Moines, but we moved here when I was about two or three. So I've lived in North Liberty Corville area for my whole life. Um, went to school here. Love it. And uh, yeah, it's just great staying locally and meeting new patients and taking care of everybody. Did you go to the university for your degree? I went to Allen College, um, which is based in Waterloo, but majority of it was um, hybrid. So I'd have online in addition to um, remote class. So oh, yeah. we'd meet up there and then we'd do clinic rotations locally to the university, Mercy and Iowa City, local family practice clinics. So cool. Good, diverse option. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. And I'm Lisa Johnson. Um, I am a physician and have worked at North Liberty Family Health Center now for 13 years. Um, I did my education at the University of Iowa, both my undergrad and then medical school. And then I went away for three years into the Quad Cities for residency and have lived back in uh, the North Liberty Coralville area since um, since I graduated from residency. It's just such a wonderful community. I, we have uh, two boys. My husband and I, uh, one is 17 now and the other is 13, <laughs> so getting getting very big. Um, and, uh, you know, family practice has been just such a wonderful fit for, for me and for my family. I really enjoy uh, taking care of uh, patients and, and the whole family and their spectrum of care. Uh, you know, at our clinic, we do a lot of women's health care and we do a lot of pediatrics and that is really fun, but it is also fun then to take care of the aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas. Mm. And so we enjoy it. That's great. And you just recently moved? We did. Across we, the street, which is nice did. and convenient. Yes. <laughs> How do you like the new space? We love the new space. So we, um, we did. We moved about a half a block away. <laughs> we really wanted to stay central and uh, located sort of in the central and part of North Liberty. We needed to just revamp our space and to have some additional clinic space so that we could function uh, a little bit better and smoother. And so our nursing staff is very grateful they have more <laughs> space to breathe and it's it's worked out really well that's great yeah 
the nice. new offices are very nice. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. We like it. I haven't been there yet, but for our local listeners, they are literally across our parking lot. Yes. <laughs> so convenient. Yes. So a, a nice, nice right by the library. So that's great. Um, our listeners, um, if you're here in Iowa, um, it's January. It's winter. It's cold outside. So we're right in the middle of cold and flu season. And I do apologize. I have a cold as we are recording this. So um, it's pretty timely. As Emily mentioned, we're going to be talking about flu shots and vaccines. And um, we're very excited to have our experts here from the Family Health Center to share some of their knowledge with us. So let's go ahead and get started. We're going to talk about flu shots first. Um, Since it is January, is it too late to get one? No, it is not too late. This is actually the prime time to get it, which I think most people think, well, it must be too late because everybody else probably already has symptoms. So um, the CDC does recommend patients get their flu shot by the end of October, but we immunize all the way through into January, even February range. So it is not too late. So please do come see us or visit your local doctor. Um, Local pharmacies also have the vaccinations that are available. Um, We did a lot of research. So for patients who have allergies to egg, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, there is a pharmacy. It's High B Drug Town on First Avenue in Iowa City. They do have the egg-free immunization there. So people can pay for that um, if they have a worry. But um, yes, not too late. Interesting. I didn't know there was Mm -hmm. an egg allergy in the vaccinations. Yes. Doing my research, that was a question that came up quite frequently, yeah. so I did want to ask mm-hmm. you about that. So thank you for letting our listeners know. Um, if they aren't in the local area, they're, they would want to ask. Right, right. And some of the recommendations have changed with regard to the egg allergies. It's um, the, the flu vaccine is manufactured with, with using egg components, and so it is. Um, it used to be thought that we should just not do flu vaccines at all, if you are egg allergic. Um, Now there's a new uh, vaccine that is egg-free for those individuals who have really severe allergic reactions. For people who just have hives, the recommendation is you can get it, but it is important that you do it in a physician's office and not at a pharmacy or In case there was like a more severe reaction. Interesting, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Since our focus is on our new and expecting families, Mm -hmm. uh, should pregnant women get a vaccine or a flu shot? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So um, you can receive the influenza vaccination at any um, trimester or stage of pregnancy. It's highly recommended because as um, baby is developing, we want to protect baby from any potential neurological deficits, neural tube malformations. Um, And mothers, when you're pregnant, body changes happen with respiratory and cardiovascular. So we want to protect you from any potentials of worsening breathing, um, heart disorders, anything like that. And when we're in high peak of seasoning with influenza, we definitely recommend uh, pregnant women um, get their vaccines because it will protect them as well as baby even after birth. Mm -hmm. Okay. And probably recommended for those in the household spouses, um, any kind of extended family that might be. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We definitely, pregnant women are at higher risk of having complications um, if they do get the flu. And so the flu shot shot protects them. But then as you alluded to, it is important that all caregivers, family members, close friends, people who are going to have contact with that newborn baby get vaccinated to try to limit their exposure. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. 
And is there any cons then to getting? We kind of talked and touched on many pros to getting the flu shot. Is there any cons um, if people are out there kind of on the fence? I think the biggest um, myth that's out there is that people get influenza when they get the flu <laughs> shot. And so the immunizations are not live viruses. Now, there is the nasal one, which this year from our research through the CDC and I think the Iowa Department of Public Health as well um, does not recommend the live intranasal because it's just not with coverage. Um, and when you're pregnant, you cannot have the live intranasal in addition anyway. Um, so the uh, regular influenza, people get sight tenderness. Um, you can have fever. Some people will report like a cough, runny nose type stuff. Um, but usually um, it's mostly just injection site um, issues that people will have. If you um, currently have a fever or upper respiratory symptoms, we tell you to wait till you get the immunization because I think that's where people pair that where yeah. they have an underlying and then they get their flu shot and say that gave me influenza I know it's there and that's mm-hmm. not true yeah, right. um, kids do have more of the GI um, so they can have some nausea vomiting some diarrhea not more so in the adults but that's the biggest cons in our opinion that I would say that people mm-hmm. relate it to so and how effective is the flu shot? Um, are there any like concrete numbers on that, or is it just kind of it definitely fluid? Var- it definitely varies year to year, and uh, part of that is it's pretty amazing um, work that the epidemiologists and infectious disease docs have to do. So the infectious disease docs and epidemiologists are actually working at making decisions about what will be in next year's. So 2018-19 flu season Mm -hmm. uh, vaccine currently. Yeah. And so they have to look at the data from our last year's uh, season. They look at the um, data from South America, which they have influenza in our summertime, which is their wintertime. And so they have to make decisions. And they don't always get it right because the flu flu virus is constantly changing and new strains can come out. But it does... um, it is the best thing you can do to protect yourself. And and the protection varies, again, season to season, um, but it definitely protects you against also not only from getting the influenza, but also having the serious complications that sure. the flu can, right. can cause. So there's really no reason not to get it. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And as I was doing some research, um, pneumonia is a big concern, then that right. helps protect them right. as well. Yes. And at any stage, does, did we already talk about that? Yeah. If you're at, pregnant, mm-hmm. any can, stage. Any How stage. about breastfeeding? If you're breastfeeding, mm-hmm. yes. And and the other thing to really understand is that if you get uh, for women who are pregnant, if they get the flu vaccine during that pregnancy, they can pass those antibodies on to the baby, mm-hmm. and the babies can't get their flu shot until they're six months. But there's been data to show that they will, you know, babies who are born to moms who get the flu vaccine will have protection for several months from that mother's um, immunization. To track or to kind of bridge that from when they're born to when they can get the flu shot at six months. Yeah, correct. That's amazing. Exactly. And so you mentioned it was six months. The babies had to wait until they could get a flu shot. Get it at six months. 
And if uh, moms or dads had questions about flu shots, where are some places that they could go? Well, I mean, they obviously first having a conversation with their healthcare provider. Um, in our clinic, we all are, are very knowledgeable and, and have, um, you know, welcome questions that parents have about immunizations. Um, so talking to their healthcare provider would be where I would recommend mm-hmm. it. But also, you know, the CDC, the Iowa um, Department of Public Health, you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics, AAFP, those are all really good resources. We can attach some of those um, sources for you guys yes. so people can access yep. through. We'll link those up with this podcast for sure. Yeah. And so would it be your recommendation if you've never had a flu shot before, if known in your family, that you would check with a healthcare provider first before you would just walk into like a Walgreens or, or a Hy-Vee to get one? Or do you think it would be fine just for someone to go and, uh, you know, see a pharmacist? Sure. Ideally, I think if you have the ability to see a healthcare professional mm-hmm. first, just so we can rule out any underlying, um, there are some... Um, rare like neurological disorders, one of them is Guillain-Barre. We want to make sure that that's been ruled out because that is a contraindication. Um, And then in addition to if you have a known allergy to anything that's within the vaccination, but as we mentioned earlier, usually um, new recommendations now say that we just need to monitor people within a healthcare office, clinic, um, hospital setting if they're given that. Um, But yeah, you can go. So we have people that go to the ER at times too, which, you know, can be surprising but oh, we they can give vaccinations through there too if they don't have a provider but yeah. we would love people to come and see any of their health providers or clinics locally First. Mm-hmm. and especially during the season when they have so many open mm-hmm. flu shot clinics that you yeah. can come yes. Yes. Right. to do yep. that because they do run out mm-hmm. um, at some point yeah. right um, I was also reading um, the there's a preservative thymerosal thimerosal thimerosal thank you <laughs> <laughs> you did pretty good though I know right <laughs> <laughs> in some flu shots and then there there are there is now a flu shot that is free of that Correct. so can you explain to our listeners what that is or why people might have some concerns over that right so thimerosal is a preservative that is used in a variety of different um, vaccines and um, compounds that are used. It is used in the multi-dose vials. It's a very, very small amount and overall thought at the concentrations to be very safe um, and and not of concern. Some parents uh, just do wish to, you know, not use thimerosal uh, vaccines and there are some availability. Not every place is going to have thimerosal-free vaccines. I don't personally I personally feel like that is a must. My kids have gotten the vaccine that has the thimerosal in it, but if that is important to a a, a parent, there are places that that can be done. So again, just to talk to your healthcare provider about that. Yeah. Yep. And it takes about two weeks. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. After you get the vaccine for your body to make those antibodies to to give you that protection. So, well, that is also very good to know. So that's why we recommend, or like I said, the CDC, when we can start 
early in that October range. So we're getting people coverage before we get into high peaks, which is in like the December into February through March, honestly, ranges. So mm-hmm. earlier is better. Yeah. And then it lasts that whole time too. Correct. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. And as you mentioned, people may think the the, vac- the flu shot gave them the yeah. flu because maybe they just caught it within that time frame. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. my husband is one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so. very common. Yeah. It's very, very common. So First one he got ever. He got sick two days later. Yeah. So. Oh. Still trying to work on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's some great information about flu shots. I learned quite a bit of information both in researching and talking with you um, ladies. So thank you for that. Um, vaccines also now mm-hmm. for um, newborns. Um, can you first explain to our listeners how does a vaccine prevent the disease? Like why should they get a vaccine? What does that do to prevent the disease? So vaccines, um, the, the theory behind them is they present um, a part of the virus or the bacteria that has been either killed or modified such that it won't give you the disease, but that it, your body will form antibodies and mount an immune response. And, you know, vaccines are just incredibly important in our healthcare as an individual, but also in, as a community. Um, and within medicine, there's never been anything that has saved more lives than vaccination. Wow. So antibiotics. That's a crazy it's, statistic. It's, it's, it really is amazing. And, and again, the more people in our community who get vaccinated, the more we are all protected. And children and infants are so important. They are at risk of some really serious diseases if they don't get their vaccines. And some new parents may feel, well, we either are going to plan on living here in Iowa or North Liberty for our whole lives, or, you know, Mm -hmm. um, they don't understand that we, or, or, you know, you might not think that we really are a global community and people travel back and forth. Mm -hmm. And there's other countries that don't vaccinate as Mm -hmm. much or diseases or illnesses that we really don't see here anymore might still be prevalent elsewhere in the world. And so that puts their child, if they don't vaccinate them, Mm -hmm. you know, at a higher risk if they do travel later or visitors or people going back and forth. Yeah. Uh, so my husband is also, he's from West Africa. My sister got the chicken pox um, as an adult. And uh, we tried to figure out if he had been vaccinated because he wasn't, I mean, it would have been very bad for him to be exposed to that. And his his parents had no idea. Right. Um, uh, they couldn't contact their medical professionals. They mm-hmm. didn't have any kind of records. Yeah. Um, I mean, he has a birth record and that's about it. Uh, so he was quarantined, um, you know, from our family. M- my sister was living with moving in with my mom during that time, but he couldn't go there. He couldn't be near even my mom limited her time with him in case he would, you know, pass on to him. We had a young daughter at that time too, who had been vaccinated, but still, you know, it was, it's, so that's a very serious thing. Like Jennifer said, you know, you think of our community as not necessarily isolated, but kind of, um, you know, enclosed almost, but really it is, you know, a global and you global community don't know who's coming into contact and what their history has been. And we're a really diverse community as well. Being mm-hmm. so close to Iowa City, we get a lot of students and um, mm-hmm. students from abroad and everywhere. So, yeah, like yeah. you said, it is a we might be seem isolated, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of potential exposures and we just want to mm-hmm. make sure everybody's protected. Yeah. And that's how he came here as a student. Yeah. So, yeah. 
So what vaccines would newborns be getting in the hospital then or shortly after birth? Sure. The only vaccine that is recommended um, while an infant is still in the hospital is the hepatitis B vaccine. And that's the one that is given ideally within the first 24 hours. And by doing that, it truly decreases the risk if an infant had been exposed to hepatitis B from their their mother or someone in that family will be exposed as they go home, it really helps to protect them. And so that's the only vaccine that would start at birth. As I was looking online, there were some uh, charts for Mm -hmm. the the different times that you should get vaccines. And I was kind of surprised because that's what I found was um, in the hospital, they just got that hep B. And I was like, my goodness, I thought they were poking them all the time, you know, (laughs) and stuff. And now thinking back and talking with you, I I think I was confusing that when they go for their well-being baby checkups mm-hmm. because it seems yeah. then they get well it's also like a fuzzy time anyways but all just right. happens so quickly right. yeah right one they do they do get blood draws and sometimes their blood sugars are being checked and so there are other pokes that happen in the hospital <laughs> but as far as the vaccines go it's just the hepatitis b and and with those vaccines is there any side effects is it similar sort of to what the um, flu you shot know, infants do really well and especially with that first one it's um it would be very unusual to have any significant side effects, uh, maybe a slight um, site reaction would be, you know, by far the most common. Or sometimes I think I was told like to watch for a fever or they might be a little cranky or um, sometimes it's nice to be with them for the day just to watch Mm -hmm. them a little bit or. Yep. Yep. And and with the other vaccines that happen at the two, four, six, we can see those symptoms happen. What about whooping cough? Mm -hmm. Um, Is that because that's important for caregivers? parents and then is there a vaccination for baby as well mm-hmm. yes and and then in addition to the elderly so again going back to similar with the influenza where we want um, people who are going to be around baby mm-hmm. covered because we don't want a family member to give baby the pertussis um, so again that is a uh, can be a very scary respiratory disease that children anybody can get out all the way up to adults so um, that's another vaccination that we always recommend um, when we have those um, two, four, six month, eight up checks that we make sure that has been given in addition to when we see family members, aunts, uncles, grandparents that come in, oh, I have a grandbaby coming soon. Well, then we need to update your TDAP. So we make sure that the mm-hmm. pertussis is covered. So when they're given all the snuggles and everything, they're not going to mm-hmm. potentially um, pass that. Pass that well, and yeah. pertussis is hard because in adults and in older children, it it causes just a bad cold Mm -hmm. and it's a cold that just has this cough that just sort of persists and it doesn't make um, older children and adults feel sick enough that they stay home and so they're out in the community they're out doing the things that they normally would do and they're coughing and spreading right spreading that and pertussis Mm -hmm. we have that in our community Every year there are there are cases of pertussis. And so it is, like Ashley was um, talking, it's, you know, really important that caregivers and friends um, get vaccinated and make sure they're up to date on that with a new baby coming in. And it is a vaccine that is updated in pregnant women during their pregnancy, again, to try to have that passive immunity passed to the infant. And sure. so that's something that, you know, a woman would get during her pregnancy and um, to help protect that baby. So if you've had a, a 
pertussis vaccination before, if you became pregnant, then you would want to update that so right. that you could pass that along to right. the baby. So normally in adults, the um, the tetanus is only updated every 10 years. Mm-hmm. But as a pre- if you're pregnant, it doesn't matter if you got the vaccine the year before, they're still going to update it that Gotcha. Year. Okay. I didn't know that. And then in older children's stuff, they wouldn't necessarily have that telltale sound. Right. The the whoop. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that is very easily transmittable. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. You can combine. I think some of my boys got uh, combined shots Mm -hmm. and that's okay. There's no. Right. Right. And there's a few different um, products available. So depending on where you go to get your vaccines, there may be different combinations out there. But and that's in the same. I guess I didn't know that. That was that's in the same mm-hmm. shot. It is so in the same shot. when they give four, there could be a multiple right. one and one. Oh, that's just the that's handy. Less, less yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that's very nice. <laughs> and I personally, um, you know, I've gotten my kids all updated and kept, mm-hmm. you know, but I really haven't kept an immunization chart or whatever. And, and again, doing research, they really recommend you do that. Mm-hmm. I guess I just always have stayed with the same healthcare provider, right. and so was able to go back and get records. Mm-hmm. But then it was saying sometimes they may not keep those. And as um, your child ages, they need to show proof mm-hmm. going into school right. of their records. Uh, what would parents who choose not to vaccinate, what are they going to have to look out for? Or We've kind of talked that there's really no cons to doing this, so we really should all be vaccinating our children. Mm-hmm. But some parents decide not to. Do you have any advice for Anyone out there listening who's made that choice or, or thinking or about for it? parents that have kids in elementary school that, you know, you don't know another family's history and, mm-hmm. and just, I don't know if necessarily words to calm people down, but yeah, exactly. Like Jennifer said, like what, what they can expect or what to watch out for. It is a hard, um, that's a hard question and it, it makes, um, when you see a child who hasn't gotten their vaccines, um, we have to think about things in different ways because um, we we do. We worry more that, you know, if they have a cold, could this be pertussis? And if it is, they have to be isolated and, and can't interact in the community and have to stay home for a period of time until the, the test that we use to determine if it is pertussis or not uh, returns. And that sometimes is a week at a time. Um, there are other, you know, vaccines like Haemophilus that really reduces the risk of pneumonias and ear infections and uh, meningitis. Um, and so it's, we, we just worry that those kids are at higher risk mm-hmm. of having um, complicated medical issues. And we don't want to get into, we have the HIPAA laws and everything, but do you at your practice, do you see many families not vaccinating their children? Like how widespread is this? Not necessarily in our community, but just right. overall as well. We um, we have uh, had this discussion as a practice over the last several years. And in the last few years, handful of years, there's been um, increasing outbreaks of measles mm-hmm. in the country. Um, measles is a very contagious disease in such that if you're in the same room that somebody who actively has measles and are not immune to it, for hours later, you are at risk of developing it. Wow. And measles is deadly mm-hmm. and causes very severe um, complications if you survive. 
after that started to become more of a consistent outbreak over the last few years within the country, fortunately we've not had that locally, we made the decision as a practice that we're not going to care for families that don't immunize our children, immunize their children because they put other families at risk. And so we will work with families if they really struggle with an immunization schedule. Um, I, I think that the immunization schedule that the CDC recommends is what has been studied. It is what makes the most sense. Less mistakes happen. It's how you optimally protect your child, in my mind. But we have some flexibility to work with parents if that's something they think is important. But we made a practice decision because we really feel like we have to protect others in our waiting room. Yeah. And there are times when even if you get immunized um, or, you know, you have a medical condition that doesn't allow you to get immunized or for the measles, you don't immunize until 12 months. Those are individuals are at high risk. And so by, you know, taking care of kids that could potentially bring that into our, mm-hmm. our yeah. office, we've, we've just decided as a practice, that's something we're going to stay away with because we feel so strongly that immunization, immunizations are very, very important. Well, that's understandable. And I didn't realize, or, you know, I would have to look again, but it was at 12 months, you have babies coming in, you know, right. for their yeah. two month, one month, all those Think checkups. of how many times, even without being sick, how many times mm-hmm. a kiddo right. under the age of one is in a doctor's office. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's a tough decision, but it, it really does focus on the welfare of the community as a whole. Right. Yeah. And if a child misses a shot, they don't have to start over with no. all of theirs. They, they can do a catch up. You've right. got a separate schedule that they follow then if they've missed a shot or two. Yes. 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 And we, we always work with parents of, you know, if we, you know, it's not uncommon, especially during this winter season that we're in that they'll be in for their two month or their four month and oh they have a fever and they've got an ear infection well you know what we're going to do their well exam that day and they're going to call us next week and say hey we're better and they'll just come in for a nurse visit to get those immunizations so we we work hard to keep our kids immunized and, and on track but we are flexible with you know taking into account things that do happen and, and need to you know wiggle that schedule a little bit here or there. Yeah, that's great. That's good to know. And, you know, we're talking about newborns, you know, but they do grow up so quickly. And, you know, (laughs) in school there is, and even I forgot, like in high school, they have to show dental, you know, checkups and stuff. So it's kind of all through their life. And then going off to college College, again, they require (laughs) those as well. So it really would benefit, you know, parents to be right on top of that and start right at the beginning. And Yeah. Go through. So kind of um, something very random, I feel like, that I've just been thinking of. Uh, I have a five-year-old and an eight, nine, almost nine-year-old. And just recently, as I've had kids, I don't ever remember this from being young myself. Um, I've heard of people having, like, chicken pock parties, where if there's a kiddo <laughs> in their school, and then they'll bring them over for a sleepover so they're all exposed, and then... Um, so they then don't have to worry about the chicken pox anymore. So is that if you've already had your kiddo vaccinated or it's like you've had no vaccination and then you just try to give them this disease? <laughs> <laughs> 
I yes, that is a real thing, um, and people do choose to do that. Which again, instead I, of vaccinating, well, I've had patients that uh, roll throughout with my schooling that yes, they choose the more um, naturalistic route where they take their children to these exposure parties, and then they feel that they've been exposed to that varicella, and from there on out, that they are covered. Not, not the case. Yes. Um, and so I I would not recommend that. I'm sure Dr. No. Lisa would agree <laughs> with me. <laughs> doctor, doctor would um, recommend it. It just is so odd. But I do. I have had, um, uh, there's definitely multiple different patients that I've taken care of over the years that say, well, my sister's child has it, so I just want to get this done and over with. So then they would rather have their child have chicken pox at a younger age. So then hopefully, and as Dr. Lisa mentioned earlier, you know, as we get older and more susceptible populations, yes, more side effects can happen when you're older with that. So they feel that if they expose them when they're young, it's a better controlled situation. It's not the case. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I would not recommend that. Okay. So it's not even a guarantee that if they had, you know, were exposed, that they would be immune to it. Yeah, correct. They would have to get the disease. Right. And, yeah. yeah. And that, you know, fortunately, we don't see chickenpox very much anymore because we've immunized. And, um, you know, again, when I was a kid, the vaccine wasn't there and people got um, chickenpox. And that just was sort of what happened as a child. But the problem is kids, there were there were kids who would get sick with pneumonia and meningitis and, and have some really serious complications due to sort of a common childhood illness. Mm-hmm. Now it's much less frequent that we see influ- or that we see varicella um, or chickenpox, and so the likelihood of being exposed naturally is low. And if you get chickenpox as an adult, you are at much higher risk of having complications. Mm-hmm. And so you really just want to sort of you know do the vaccine and, and get yourself protected right. and. Is there a follow-up, a booster shot? Did I hear that mm-hmm. a few years ago? Or right. That? So the, the varicella vaccine is recommended somewhere between 12 and 15 months, and then it's done again at either four or five in that range. Okay. So and is that, that's all? Like, you don't get boosters as you get older, like with with the tetanus. Right. So it's just those two for the varicella. Then as um, people age, there is a shingles vaccine. And the shingles vaccine is also related to the varicella. Yeah. And so they will get updated. And that's in an adult population. Right. Now, can you still get it after you've had the shot? But a much Because I think my son was like in kindergarten and he had his shot already, but I think he did get it, but only had like two dots and it didn't bother him. He didn't itch or anything, didn't even have a fever. I mean, right. It's, you know, the, the goal of most vaccines are to really, you know, decrease the rates of the serious complications. And so it's not 100% that you won't get the disease, but the likelihood is that the disease, if you do get it, which is pretty unusual, but can, can happen, will be much more mild and the, the severe complications would be very rare to happen. I remember it was around trick-or-treating Halloween time, oh. so he, I didn't let him go, but he like literally had like two dots on his stomach yeah. or something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I was just trying to be overly cautious. But, um, well, you don't want to spread it. Right. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it didn't bother him at all. And I think we probably wouldn't have even noticed it. You know, I think someone maybe at school might have had it or something. But um, yeah. it was just kind of interesting that it didn't bother him at all. Yeah. So the North Liberty uh, Family Health Center has come to our last two baby fairs. Mm-hmm. So we appreciate you guys coming. And we hope um, if you are listening and, and we're in the area, you were able to stop by and talk with them. We're, uh, there was a lot of great information shared. Um, between the public and all of our vendors. So thank you so much for coming. We're going to be planning again for this coming August in 2018, our fourth um, annual fair. So I hope you guys will be able to join us then too. It's a great event and it was really been fun to to be part of that. So I thank you for that. That's great. Um, In the library's collection, we have many books about parenting and pregnancy. A couple of titles that relate to vaccinations and immunizations are the Mayo Clinic Guide to a Healthy Pregnancy, as well as Caring for Your Baby and Young Child, Birth to Age 5, which is put out by the American Academy of Pediatrics. We can link our catalog uh, website to this as well. And in addition to physical books in the library, we have a variety of digital databases that we have online. You can access them with your library card. And of course, if you don't have one, you can always stop into the library and we can set one up for you. Uh, There's Consumer Health Complete, Health and Wellness Resource Center and a health source. Uh, And then we also have databases available in Spanish for our um, Spanish-speaking families. If you are outside of the North Liberty area, if you're in Corville or Iowa City, you're very lucky because your library also has similar resources. But anywhere else, you can just go to your local library and see what kind of um, resources they have available, either in-house or digitally. Wonderful. Yeah, that's great. Um, Also, the library has some upcoming programs in January. We have all of our weekly story times that you are welcome to bring new babies um, or toddlers or preschoolers to as well. And then very exciting, we have our new brochure, our spring brochure coming out. So that has all of our additional programming listed in it. We're going to have some really fun things for families, including a family fortnight. And we'll have um, some baby music classes put on by West Music, a new Suzuki music class, and then also the Prusel School of Music will be coming to and we'll have um, some tumbling top programs for the kiddos to come as well. So you can check that out at our website, north www.northlibertylibrary.org, or you can always come in to uh, get a paper copy as well. Anything going on at the Family Health Center that you want to talk about? I am accepting new patients, so um, we've been advertising that, and um, I would love to take care of any new patients within the community, or if you've been in North Liberty or Coralville, Iowa City area. Um, I know I have some patients that are in the Cedar Rapids area, Ely as well, Mm -hmm. so honestly, anywhere. um, uh, I'm accepting new patients, and I'd love to see you and meet you and help you out with whatever I can with referrals or any questions that anybody has. Great. Come see Ashley. Would they call you first to set up an appointment? Yes. So our clinic phone number is 319-626-6006. And our receptionist girls are wonderful. They'll help you get scheduled with me. Um, In addition, if there's, I know some patients, uh, former providers that were here at the clinic who have either retired or left, um, I would definitely like to sit and meet with them or if they have um, any other recommendations or questions, I can answer those as well. Great. Awesome. And is there a website for your... We do. We do. Um, They can just Google North Liberty Family Health Center and they'll come up with our Mm -hmm. our website and, yep, tells us a little bit about our practice and um, the longevity of our practice. We've been in the community, boy, 
Okay, I don't have the exact date. <laughs> it's been that long. <laughs> it's been about, I think we're pushing about 30 years. Wow, and really? so, yes, okay. that we've been in the community. Um, and yes, Ashley's taking new patients. Uh, there's other providers in our clinic that are taking new patients. And so, yeah, come check us out. We, we definitely love baby care, uh, full family care. That's, mm-hmm. that's what we specialize in. And so you've Great. seen the growth of the community as well. You've right. yeah. dealt with that as yes. well in your practice. Yep. yep. Okay, wonderful. Before we end today's podcast, uh, would you guys mind sharing with our listeners um, either your favorite story time as a child that you always asked to be read to, or if you did that as, as a tradition in your home, or mm-hmm. any children you might have that you like reading books to now currently? We'd sure. love to hear that. <laughs> sure. Yes, reading has always been a big part of my life growing up as well as, um, you know, what I brought to traditions for my own children. And, um, you know, when the kids were little, uh, you know, the books um, of some of the classic Dr. Seuss books were always the favorites. The um, As they got older, the chapter books, the Magic Treehouse, the A to Z mm-hmm. mysteries were just huge favorites at our house. And, and the Harry Potter series, I will tell you, my <laughs> 17-year-old has currently rereading for probably the eighth time. Such a fun series. So, yeah. Are they excited about like the new screenplays and plays coming Mm -hmm. out? Yeah. Yes. And the illustrated books. Oh, those are so pretty. Yes. You should check them out. We have have them. them. You have them. (laughs) I'll have to look at them. Only up to three. They've only released three so far, but yeah. They're beautiful, full color page illustrations. And my youngest son doesn't enjoy reading as much, to my chagrin, but, um, you know, it's (laughs) really. (laughs) Right. Um, but it's beautiful for, I think, those struggling mm-hmm. readers or kids that really... Are a little bit younger. It's mm-hmm. kind of intimidating. Yeah. Those are pretty I thick books. I will have books. to look at that. Because... So they're oversized and, and beautiful illustrations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he has enjoyed reading those. And oh, uh, yeah. wonderful. Very nice glossy yeah. pages. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well. Very nice gifts. Check those out. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. Uh, myself, so my husband and I do not have kids yet, but I do a lot of reading with my niece and nephew all the time. And their favorites um, are any Eric Carle book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Classic. Classic go-tos. He also likes, I wish I could remember, any pop-up book. So there's like a monster book. I don't remember the the author. That's terrible of me. But um, I loved Eric Carle. Um, I loved the Shel Silverstein books. Giving Tree is like my all-time favorite book, Mm -hmm. one of them. And um, the other one that I read all the time, and now they have... um, Sub versions of it is if you give a mouse a cookie. Oh, yeah. 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 So I love those. And, they're so um, silly. They are. Mm-hmm. I will be very excited to, yeah, share that. I love reading and just all the different illustrations, and mm-hmm. it's wonderful. So kids' I'm, books are great. Yeah, yeah they are. It's one yeah. of my favorite Favorites. things, actually, to ask as kids get a little bit older for their well visits. Um, is to ask what kids are reading. Oh, That's, cool. You know, it's really yeah. cool to, you know, it gives you sort of an insight into, you know, where they are um, academically, mm-hmm. but also just their personality and yeah. to hear, you know, <laughs> plus, you know, it, I get great 
suggestions, <laughs> especially for my teens. You know, sometimes sure. um, during the work, uh, my work schedule, I I really like some young adults because they're really attainable books for me, and they go you know, quick. They go yeah. quick, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I I often ask my my teens there or uh, you know preteens like, what are you reading? And yeah, <laughs> have more than once been like, oh, note to self, <laughs> need to check that book out. <laughs> we have awesome. um, all of those authors, all of those titles yeah. here at our library. Yep. So if you aren't familiar with any of those your local libraries as well will have those as well so great well in summary we want to thank Ashley and Dr. Lisa for coming to join us today Uh, the summary of our today's of today's podcast was talking about getting the flu shots and making sure that you get vaccinations and immunizations for your kiddos Um, if you can please talk to a health provider first before you go out and get those and as uh, Dr. Lisa mentioned they're very flexible with working with families on schedules and uh, calendars and things like that Well, thank you very much, Dr. Lisa and Ashley, for joining us today. Uh, We appreciate you taking some time to uh, come and record this podcast with us. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much. It was very, yeah, it was a very great discussion today. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our Stork Storytime podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time with us. And remember, just as it's never too late to learn early literacy skills and develop a love of reading, it's never too early either.